Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. There's an NFL coach I hope gets an option to be a head coach during this hiring cycle. Welcome back. Outkick 360 rolls on from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Dan Quinn is the hottest name right now. And he's not the name I'm going with, but he's interviewing uh, with Denver, with Chicago, Miami, Minnesota. And this is a Cowboys defense that ranked 19th and... And that was total defense, but seventh in uh, points allowed. They ranked 23rd in points allowed, Paul, uh, a year ago. They took a big step forward, and he's getting a lot of looks. Many people think that he's going to end up in Denver um, just by you know crystal balling it or fit. But he was one game above 500 with the Atlanta Falcons. And there are a lot of other retread head coaches um, who have – you know, if you're hired in the league, chances are you're going to get fired in the league sooner rather than later. And you've got Jim Caldwell, Doug Peterson, uh, or a couple of other names that keep circling. Chad, there we mentioned yesterday, Matt Eberflus is interviewing in Chicago. Brian Dayball has also done that as the offensive coordinator with the Bills. He's interviewed in Chicago. Leslie Frazier. Um, and you're not a fan of all the retread coaching. Uh, in, in general, I'm not a fan of retread coaching uh, inside the box hires where NFL owners don't get creative enough in finding head coaching candidates. But I will say, if you gave me a top three of mm-hmm. Dan Quinn, Doug Peterson, Brian Flores, I'm putting on that list, uh, guys who recently had some success and only had the one head coaching gig, I'm fine with these guys getting a job. And I think all three of them will end up with one of these jobs. And I'm totally fine with that. Peterson, who won a Super Bowl, and for whatever reason, he's now in the mix. Dan Quinn, Brian Flores, I would hire those guys if I'm an NFL team. Typically, this is an odd year for this. I would have a big issue with retread coaches getting so many opportunities. I think those three guys will and probably should have one of these uh, job openings. Another point I want to raise with this, you said Dan Quinn in Denver. Interesting to me that Denver seems to be the most desired spot with a number of these coaches. When you look at these lists, they don't know who their owners are going to be. Right. Can you think of another franchise that doesn't know their They're ownership situation? because of that. That would be so attractive? I feel like when all of this was going on here in Nashville with the Titans... There's a coaching change. That's a huge red flag. Well, I, I don't know who's going to go there. They don't know who they're going to answer to. They don't know who's going to own the team. They don't know the direction of the team. No one's talking about that with Denver. Is it because they assume it's going to be Elway or Peyton Manning running everything either way and it's going to be just fine? I, I don't know, but I, I just find that interesting that they're not getting red flags 
as a uh, well, coaching Elway, opening because they don't know who their ownership's going to be. Elway has said if he's a part of the ownership group that gets the Broncos, he does not want like the figurehead spot of the group. He wants to be like a so, consult. Yeah, and he doesn't want to run things. He stepped down, obviously, from being GM. Yeah, so... He's going to be in the back background. I, I mean, I, I not knowing the ownership structure... Then it would be paid. ...in Denver doesn't make it great, right? I think... Um, but it's, know, it's one of 32 jobs. Yeah, so. there's something yeah. about it organizationally. And there's a decent roster if you find the quarterback. Um, I, I agree. Quinn seems like the guy for Denver. Uh, I, I talked to somebody, a couple couple people in, in the course of, of Hall of Fame kind of stuff. Dabble to Miami. They like the pairing of him with Tua. So that's one to look out for. Polian is basically running the Chicago thing. Now, Eberflus has, has been called back a second time, which is a bit of a surprise. Well, that's not. It's not a surprise because... I don't because, think he's a Polian guy. Well, he's, he's going to be their new general manager's guy. They're, they're, they have interviewed... Um, I can't remember his last name. Ed something. He's the assistant general manager in Indianapolis. Donatel? No. No, short I'll last name. It. He's the uh, assistant GM in Indy. Wow. They have interviewed him for the general manager position in Chicago, and they all had also interviewed Eberflu. So if you're going Ed with Dodds. Him, Ed Dodds. Dodds, if you're going with him, that pairs up well because your new GM would have the coach that he knows well. Frazier and Caldwell are Polian guys. So if it doesn't go that direction, those are guys to look for there. I like Caldwell as a candidate. He won't win the press conference, and he'll get killed for sideline demeanor and quietness and all of that. But like Armando said with Miami, if you if your organization's in disarray and you need somebody to settle things down and achieve a baseline of acceptable play and behavior and culture, he can he can do that. I would interview Rich Basaccia. Uh, I, I think he's done a terrific job there. And if he's in limbo uh, as interim, and I, I think he can go to Mark Davis and say, you know, if I'm not positively your guy, I think you should let me interview. Uh, or maybe he just can. But I think these teams should be thinking along those lines. Jonathan Gannon, I'm surprised, is getting the attention that he's getting. And I don't think he's ready. Uh, I know Young I is in. One guess, uh, I think it was CBS. CBS put Jonathan Gannon as the next head coach of the Texans, which I was, I was like, where, well, where are they pulling that well, from? Well, I mean, he might be the right kind of guy there because I don't think he's ready, so he'd be the puppet kind of guy that you want. If they the had, they just, they had their puppet uh, yeah, guy. That, but that, they that's had philosophical so disagreements with that puppet. Did <laughs> they turn his headset off? <laughs> what, what happened? I like Jim Caldwell. He's 67 years old. Are you going to start out hiring a six? I mean... You said, you know, young is it. I don't know that hiring a 67-year-old to start something with your organization in any organization is ever in. Uh, I'm not trying to be ageist here, trend? but hiring a head coach that's been out I mean, of it for a little while at 67. The, Leslie Frazier, 62. That would make that would make Caldwell, what, the third, third oldest? oldest? Maybe. Belichick and... Again, though, Reed? Belichick, and, uh, how Pete long Carroll. has he been there? Pete how long has like Pete, 71. And Pete Carroll's been there for a long time, too. I mean... I understand guys aging into it where you can be in your 70s and still be productive and do a really good job being somewhere for a long time. I don't know that I'm in a rush to go hire a 67-year-old to start a rebuild Look, ideally, with my NFL franchise. Ideally, I'd want him to be middle-aged. I don't want him to be a kid, and I don't want him Dan to be Dan Quinn old. is 51. Matt Eberflus is 51. That's about the age, I think, of hiring a head coach in the NFL that they're going to be. 
Say, I'm going younger. I'm going 40 to 42 is what I'm looking at. And the guy that I hope... Well, that's a very narrow, narrow window. Uh, well, I don't know Brian how, Flores is 40. I don't know how old the, my candidate is, but I'm guessing he's between 40 and 42 because I'm, I'm willing to bet he's the same age as like Matt LaFleur or Kyle Shanahan. The guy I hope gets a job is Byron Lefwich. Um, and I think he could be an influx of fresh, um, you know, just uh, adaptable, uh, bring an adaptable style. I think he would be a great fit in Jacksonville for Trevor Lawrence after working with Brady. The thing I like about what he's done um, in, in Jacksonville, this goes beyond just him being a former first-round pick for them. Um, with Bruce Arians hiring him in, what, 2019, Byron Leftwich claims that Bruce Arians has not stepped foot in one of his offensive meetings since he was hired. And Arians like hired him and said, I trust you. This is your offense. I'm taking a step back from it. Run it. And then they brought in Brady last year. This was before Brady had even arrived. And now he's formed that offense around to, to, to Brady's requirements. He was doing it prior with, uh, with a number of other guys at quarterback. Who was I, it the year before? Was it still Jameis? I think it was Jameis. And then they rotated, well, they rotated one of the guys. Yeah, but a 30-touchdown year, too. 42 years old, Byron Leftwich. Right in your window of 40 to 42. Yeah, that's the thing about Jameis is he'll throw 30 picks, but he'll put put up 30 touchdowns. And they didn't have any run game whatsoever. Um, And then they bring in Brady and pair that with Mike Evans. Again, I I like the the course. I think he's adaptable, young, built to lead. And that if you're looking for a mentality of toughness, which some of these organizations are in desperate need of, Jacksonville's one of them, I can't think of a tougher dude that can pull up, Chad, the November 2002 video in the Akron game where Marshall's playing Akron. He goes to the hospital, gets his leg looked at and propped up, and then returns to the game and is hobbling around and guys are like helping him down the field. Not as even, they, he's not even hobbling. He's getting carried. Yeah, they're, they're, he's completing like a the pass crutch. and his offensive line is carrying him to the line of scrimmage to take the next step. Yeah, he had his leg set and then returned into the game. Like there, There's a mentality factor there that I think Leftwich brings. And again, like I I think he's done a tremendous job since Arians hired him in 2019. He's getting a couple of interviews. I think he's, you know, Chicago's one of them. I think Jacksonville should be looking his way. He um I, I look, I I I like the idea. I do. But uh I'll I'll play devil's advocate a little bit. He um in 17 and 18 in Arizona, his quarterbacks were Palmer on his last legs. Blaine Gabbert, Drew Stanton, the next year, Josh Rosen, Sam Bradford. Um, and when you're touching Tom Brady, everybody's going to gonna gonna be good. So Yeah, I, but I think I, more importantly, Bruce Arians handpicked him to run the offense. Yeah, which is a, a, a good endorsement for based sure. Based on that logic, Todd Downing should have never been hired to be the offensive coordinator here based on the failure in, in Oakland. Yeah, but but what I'm saying that one story who was it Kevin Clark that wrote about the the it was more about GMs than coaches, but the idea of going and getting the the number two connected to a successful GM who's with an organization that has a, a star quarterback. It's usually about that organization having the star quarterback. So I'm just applying a little bit about that. Well, and that 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 has failed in a lot of terms. If you just go get, and I'm not saying it applies here, but if you just go get 
the coordinator who's with the best quarterback somewhere else and you bring him in, that, that doesn't automatically equate to what you, you want. I'm not saying that will be the case with Leftwich, who I, I think is a, a smart, young guy uh, who checks a lot of boxes. But there's always that danger. Well, and it, it, I think, you know, year to year, we're looking at the at the different connections with coaches, right? And so now it's, oh, he's connected with Brady. And in years past and what um, – Like Adam having, Gase is, well, is an example of what I'm talking about. I'm not extreme sure, bad sure. Side. But then you have um, – and he was also a retread on top of that. You know, he was hired somewhere, fired somewhere, hired by the Jets. You know? It lasted him two jobs. And the, the Peyton Manning blessing got the right. two head coaches. And, and so that's been the knock on – the the criticism of Sean McVay um, with with all of the the coaches that have been hired that have touched him. I'm here to tell you there are three coaches of the final six. Um, uh, they make up of uh, three of the six coaches with a chance to win the Super Bowl. Um, with the let's see, Lafleur, Zach Taylor, and then of course Sean McVay. They're still all in it. No, the sh- the McVay thing's real. Like, I don't know how no, much but longer people knock it goes. The, oh, you're going to get the number two guy to McVay. Oh, let's get the quarterback right. coach to McVay, which yeah. is what Cincinnati did. No. The McVay thing has, has been real. That's been more about being at the hem of the coach, not at the hem of the player. So, uh, you know, there's all different ways to look at it. The McVay thing has definitely turned out to be real. I mean, his coaching tree as a young guy is ridiculous. R- ridiculous. Maybe Arians is close to um, stepping down, and you've got your next head coach there in Tampa with Leftwich. I'm don't tired. Know. I'm sick of know. Arians. I'm sick of him. <laughs> He's right back. I mean, they're they're. Yeah, it's, I, I can't wait for the the game against the Rams. It feels like if Leftwich doesn't get a job this cycle, he's getting one the next one. And the next one may include Where Arians is, stepping away and him being the head coach. I think Arians sticks it out as long as Brady's there. Why wouldn't he? Where is. Eric Bieniemy in all of this. Yeah, I hadn't heard his name much at all. And you would think people would be interviewing him just out of, I don't want to say pressure or obligation. I don't mean either of those words. But because he wa- finished last year as, oh, here's the guy who didn't get a job, who should have got a job. You would think a lot of people would say, yeah. well, we should put that guy on our list. Um, I mean, can you can you be such a bad interview that people just stop even talking to you? No, because and do we even t- know it, it, for sure that that's true? I, I mean, well, maybe, why, maybe it's true. Why would he not be? You want to you discuss coach connected to the player? That's I mean, the that's the knock that's though him. on him that that's out there. Yeah, and he doesn't that, call the plays. That yeah, and that when people interview him, they're not impressed with him for whatever reason. Because I I mean, just See, looking at it logically, he's a guy who's already been a head coach somewhere by, at this point in time. Well, and the, the, if Brian Dayball is is being discussed in Miami, I would put the enemy in that too for. Tua, based on style of offense. See, here's where I think you really, like Miami, an organization in a, in a real hard spot, right? Messy. And now you're going to hire a coach. You better hire a coach for more than his ability to relate to Tua. Because in my estimation, Tua is going to bomb. I know. And so he's going to be dealing with something different than Tua. So if you're hiring him for his number one thing being – this guy is going to connect and maximize Tua. Well, in a year and a half when Tua's benched and in two years when Tua's cut, where's your head, what's your head coach is standing in this? And are you going to brand him as a failure because he didn't turn Tua, who you overrate, Stephen Ross, into a player that he's not? Is this coach in the doghouse? And is Chris Greer whispering in your ear 
like he did during during uh, your five Brian Flores's tenure? How long is that going to go on? An interesting you're set up see, for failure. There are a lot of organizations. That's, that's why if you're a real hot prospect, that's a job. We've talked about this before. We talked about it with Arthur Smith last year. He, he's not going to take the wrong job because he knows, you know, and most guys know. You're getting one chance, maybe a second chance if your first chance doesn't go terribly bad. But if you go to Miami and your job charges to turn Tua into a Super Bowl quarterback, I don't think you. I don't think you know anybody's doing it. Give me the best quarterback guy in the world. There are there are three organizations, two of them for the same reason that uh, uh, beggars can't be choosers in the NFL hiring cycle. Yeah, at some I, point you have to take it. I, uh, Chad brings up a great point about ownership structure and and the future of that in Denver. Although that takes time, you take that job over the next two. The other two I wouldn't want to take: Miami and Houston. Based on the leadership structure there, they're, they're awful. Take, I wouldn't want to take. All, I wouldn't want to work for the. I mean, again, like it's just a, uh, just craziness with the ownership structure and the the communication failure in Houston, and then in Miami, you're you're forced. It sounds like you're being cornered into. Here's your quarterback. Deal with it. I mean, which one of these jobs these is the most jobs. stable? Minnesota. Minnesota's pretty good. Ownership. Minnesota is a good Wilfs spot. Are yeah. away, but not in a bad. And that's way. the They're one I look off. at. I'm like, okay, you know, there's no huge red flags in Minnesota. They've won recently. They don't win it to a great extent, but now, they're now, not terrible. But it's a, it's very similar. The other one would be Vegas. You know, they're very yeah. similar because you have you have in Vegas Derek Carr, who's got one year left remaining on his deal. And then Cousins is not going. He's not going to be cut or traded because he's locked in under that fully guaranteed deal. Where I think if they got rid of him, he would count forty-one million against their cap. So he's your guy. But it's a, still a short-term contract that he signed and one year left in Car. So if you're a new head coach there, you feel it out and you're able to get things in line and move forward one way or the other. Maybe you really like the quarterback after working with him. Maybe you don't. But you're not locked in like you are with the top draft. Well, what about, what I about, would just really prefer that Mark Davis had a better haircut if I were going to take the job <laughs> in Vegas. What about that's maybe, a real red flag maybe for me? You could be the guy that say, "Hey, let's. I'm going to the barber this afternoon. Come, Come on, Mark. Let's, let's go. go. Let's, let's see talk. if we can. Let's see if we can get you a new I, look. How about this one? I feel like you're a new guy this year. 2022 is going to be a big year for you. Let's get you a new look this year. Hear me out on this one. The Giants. Okay. All right. I'm not saying it's a great job. I thought about that, but, but it, Mara and Tish are relatively. Let their people work, okay? For the most part, yeah. Also, here's who you have to be better than. Bob McAdoo, Shermer, and Judge, okay? If you go in there and you're competent and you get five wins and you get six wins and you get seven wins and you show some sort of steady progress, I think New York is going to love you. You have some kind of personality compared to these three dolts. You have some kind of sensibility. And you have two top 10 picks, don't you? Don't they have two top 10s? You've got, uh, I think it's top 13s, okay. maybe. Because You've also got Daniel turned. Snyder in your division. <laughs> There's another positive. That, that division's not good. Cowboys never break through. I mean, if you're, I, I love Jerry Jones, but yeah. uh, the Eagles shined a, a few years back. But Jalen Hurts is not. I'm not saying no there's not. A, there's there's, a there's ton no of formidable work to be franchise done, that you're thinking right away. Boy, I, we've really got to get out of the shadow of this team with all the success. You're not going into the AFC West right now. You're not going into the NFC West right now. 
I also think you could say, Mr. Mayor, you have long been one of the more respected owners in the league, and it's getting away from you. Let me help you restore your name. And that he would be reasonable. I mean, things have slipped away from this guy. Totally different conversation than telling Mark Davis, let me give you a haircut. (laughs) Can we shave your head? Before we continue with this Zoom interview, please have one of your assistants shave your head so I can talk to you with a straight face. The Giants are a proud, sensible franchise, except for the last, you know, the last 10 years things have gotten away from them. But there's something to build on there. Yeah. Coming up, we uh, get into... All of the top headlines with Dan Dockage. Speaking of men who shave their head, Dan Dockage does. But when he was in Indiana, he did not. (laughs) And uh, we have an example of that. Late bloomer. We get into uh, Dockage's playoff picks for this weekend and hit some college hoops as well next on Outkick 360. The always on. And ready to go, Dan Dockich about to join us on Outkick 360. We are live at 6th and Peabody, Nashville, Tennessee, our studio location right here with Old Smoky Moonshine and Yeehaw Beer. It is January everywhere, not just in Indy, where Dan Dockich does uh, his number one rated radio show and uh, also hosts Don't At Me across the Outkick network, but we're on board with him too. We don't know exactly what all that means. But uh, for Dan's everywhere, we celebrate you in the month of January. Dan Dockett, how are you, sir? Oh, are you kidding me? I'm on with you guys. This is absolutely awesome. I got my background on, my don't at me background, but for some reason, it's not coming through. Hey. I uh, like it. What's Paul mad about today? You're fired. What are you mad about? Well, he's mad. Hang on one second, Paul. Uh, because I, uh, the guys in the b- behind the, the screen here have this set up for us. This should be the new backdrop. I, I saw you retweet this, uh, Dan. Um, Indiana's own Dan Dockich. Look at the hair. Wow. Uh, and uh, I'm guessing 19, 20 years old here, Dan. That's and, not you. Uh, this, is, uh, this is a handsome man. Yeah, I got to tell happened? you, uh, that was that picture, I think, was taken. Uh, I played baseball at Indiana, too, and we won the Big Ten, and I had to run back. And I, I played in a doubleheader. In between games of the doubleheader, we were taking a team picture, so I had to go back. So you could see the wings, right? Oh, the yeah. wings, when you're wearing a hat, you got the wings flowing. I, there were barbers in Bloomington. I just apparently couldn't find them. What a <laughs> god-awful head of hair, but boy, I wish I had it back. W- would we call this a mullet? Is this officially a mullet no, in the back? No, a just a no, kind of a mop there's top? there's no mullet back there. It's just some wings. Just a mop a top. wings okay. on the side. Okay. What, what year is this, Dan? You know, um, I, I think that would have been about 83. I think it was my sophomore year, but I could be wrong. Um I, I I got a tooth knocked out in '84. It looks like the tooth is um, still there. Looks like my teeth are in. I don't know. <laughs> when did the hair go to the degree that you decided to uh, to join those of us that cut it close or take it all the way? Well, uh, about ten years before I did, Paul. I, I would swoosh it around. Then a lady at Big Ten Network showed me about this dust you put on that thickens it up. So, And then there'd be like a big catcher's mitt of bald back here. Um, I did it. I got rid of it during the pandemic. My stepson came with some clippers. We had a bunch of wine. And uh, the only thing I wanted to cut was the part, you know, where I was pulling it over. And I realized, man, that, that's just string. So, Paul, <laughs> I came home, my friend. I came home. 
I'm imagining, uh, you know, there are millions everywhere who want, I wonder what Dan Dockett does before these Big Ten network games. And you were dusting your head uh, in the yeah. in the bathroom. Yeah, there would be some dust. And uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, if I didn't have the dust, I was in a panic. I used to go to Sally's over down here and get it. 89 bucks for a little can. You, <laughs> Yeah, filled it up nice. Sally. It looked good. Dan, I'm not in full January spirit where I'm not going to be reading five books uh, this month, but I am reading this book by Dan Shaughnessy, and we had Dan on, and it's uh, Wish It Lasted Forever about the 80 Celtics. And I'm yeah. struck by Larry Bird and the Larry Bird stories in this book uh, and just his placement in Indiana lore, but also his ability of coming up with different ways to deny autographs to adults who would ask him for an autograph. He would sign for kids but he would not sign for any adult that would ask him for an autograph. I respect it. I've always loved Larry Bird, uh, but definitely an interesting personality with Larry Bird, I'm, and I'm getting to learn more about that in this book. I'm sure you're aware. Yeah, you know, to me, that's a jackass move, but, you know, Larry Bird could get away with it because he was Larry Bird. I mean, let's be honest, but that, that's, come on. I mean, a guy wants an autograph. Who cares whether it's a kid? You know, earn a doll is a jackass move, but Bird, uh, iconic, obviously. I remember when John Feinstein was here, uh, writing a season on the brink in 1986, and John and I became pretty good friends. And I drove him out to Larry Bird's house, and you know, you, you kind of go there, and it's just this little road, and and next thing you know, on the left, there's his full court basketball court, and it's a beautiful house. But the town that he came from, you know, there wasn't much, and. You know, the story always went in Indiana that Jimmy Wisman was his roommate. Jimmy had a bunch of clothes, was kind of a, you know, preppy guy, and Larry had nothing, and Larry didn't like it. Then the other story was that when Bird got to Indiana, Knight was at the same restaurant. Bird walked into it, kind of introduced uh, a friend of his to Coach Knight, and Coach Knight was a jackass to him, which is what Coach Knight always was to players in public. I never understood that either. But he always was. He was always a jackass to players or your father. I, I never got that. But, uh, yeah, Bird, interesting dude, iconic dude, a matter-of-fact dude. But I'll tell you this, he, he used to do this. He used to work out every day and get, like, the best two high school kids in the area in uh, West Baden or, or French Lick or Sullivan or whatever town, you know, Paoli, whatever town down there. And they would work out like crazy from about 6 in the morning to, like, 10. He was a fanatic. And then he'd go play golf, drink beer, go to bed about eight and do it all again in the summers. I mean, play golf all day, drank beer, whatever. Uh, but a phenomenal worker, man. I mean, he worked his you know what off uh, from the time, I guess, from the time he went to Indiana State till the time he retired. Just a crazy work ethic. I guess it's impossible to disassociate his Pacers uh, work from him. But how's he regarded for what he did, really good. did and didn't do for for the Pacers. Well, he, he's the only NBA player to ever win uh, coach of the year in the NBA, MVP, and an executive of the year. He was good with the Pacers. Now, at the end, he made some horrific draft choices. He drafted Miles Plumley instead of Draymond Green. And that's not – I'm not going backwards on that. I said – I screamed about that, called him, talked to the Pacers scouts about it. Um, but he's really regarded well here. You know, he – obviously is an icon, but you know, icons that coach the local team and they fail, they are no longer icons, but he, you know, got them to the NBA finals. And then as a, uh, uh, as an executive, 
you know, he drafted Danny Granger to kind of oversee things. Then he got Paul George and he, he took a team that got to the Eastern Conference Finals. Is it, you know, L.A. Lakers or is it Larry Bird, Boston Celtics? No, but he's really well regarded here in terms of what he did with the Pacers overall, I'd say. Dan, what's your favorite game of the NFL weekend coming up? Oh, man, come on. Chiefs and Bills. I mean, Hands down? That's me. Huh? Hands down. Do you think it's the best game, though? Uh, I, I think they're all set up to be good games. Like, it wouldn't surprise me if your game, Cincinnati, coming into Nashville wasn't a hell of a game. Like, I'm a believer in Joey Burrow. But when I look at what, come on, what, what the Bills did, you know, I'm sitting there watching Josh Allen, and he's throwing baseballs. He's throwing baseballs into the pockets of his receivers, man. I mean, he is – he was the player of the weekend, in my opinion. And the Bills were the team of the weekend. But I like all these matchups. Like, look, I got a, I got a text from a friend of mine that's coaching in the NFL, and he's talking about the Rams. He's like, look, the Rams are built the way modern teams are built. You went out and got, a, got an elite quarterback. You paid for him. You have the – Aaron Donald, but you surround him with free agents. You know, Woods goes down, so you bring in Beckham, and whatever you think of Beckham, Beckham has fit in there nicely. Uh, I think that's going to be a hell of a game against Tom Brady. I think I think San Francisco and Green Bay, I think it's unfair. It's not unfair. It's just the way it's set up. But San Francisco on a Saturday has to go play in the cold in Green Bay. You know, Green Bay gets to sit around, but they're only seven and six, isn't it, in home playoff games under this regime? But I got to tell you, man, I am so looking forward to this weekend. But to me, to me, the game of the weekend, maybe maybe the game of the year sets up to be what Buffalo did last week against what Kansas City's done over the last half of the season. You know, and also, in thinking about that, Josh Allen specifically, and we can always shape, you know, a, a pre-legacy before it's over, but – Josh Allen has a chance right now, and he's not talking about it. No one really is. If they can get over the hump of Kansas City, he can. Uh, they would be the favorite in the Super Bowl. Um, and, and get over the hump of Kansas City, they're going to be the favorite in the AFC Championship game. And if he were to get one now while Mahomes is in his prime, that's one thing. If he doesn't get it, Dan, he's headed down the path of Aaron Rodgers, who has one Super Bowl, right? Like, there's... I don't know if he's feeling that type of pressure, but there's a quarterback legacy here where right now, I think as a group, we would all say Josh Allen is the best quarterback that is playing right now going into this weekend based on what we saw last week. And if he can keep that going, he's going to jump ahead of Mahomes. Well, you know, let's think about what you just said. You know, Mahomes would only have one Super Bowl, right? I mean, he's been there twice, but if Josh Allen would beat him. Look, anybody that tells you that legacy isn't important is full of crap. I, 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 you know, we talked about Bob Knight in Indiana. Bob Knight knew based on, well, how do I put this? Based on projections, but he knew the time he was going to be the all-time winningest coach in NCAA basketball. Now it got derailed because he got fired in Indiana. I don't think he really planned on that. My point is, players know about these legacy things. Now, the best ones put it aside and just go play. But don't think for a second that all of these guys don't understand, hey, one Super Bowl changes your life. Two Super Bowls puts you in. There's only eight guys to win two. Three Super Bowls, you're off the charts. But the, to your point about Allen and to your point about Mahomes, I agree with you based on last week. 
Josh Allen was the best quarterback. But let me ask you three guys. Are you going to bet against Mahomes? Are you going to bet against the I'm Kansas betting against City him this week. Are you? Yeah, I'm taking the Buffalo money line. Yeah. I think I would too. Uh, I'm, I'm betting yeah. Kansas City. Bias. I'm going Kansas City. Yeah. Now, where I thought I just, you were going to go I is this. The, the two the leaders. The thing I've always said about Kansas City when, you bet, when you're talking betting is, I hope they start out losing. Because when they start out losing, my fat uh, behind <laughs> jumps on the Kansas City Chiefs. They were like 12, what were they, 12 and a half point favorite. They got down seven zip. That line went to six, six and a half. I jumped on that so big the other day. I love when they get down. I'm betting Kansas City until proven different. I think Josh Allen's great. I think the team that we saw last weekend is the team that people predicted would go to the Super Bowl. But in the back of my mind, I got a text from a former a 35-year defensive coordinator that said, "Watch what this. Watch what happens. You got to get after Josh Allen early. You get after Josh Allen early, it goes south for him. They get after him early, regardless of the score. I'm going to stick with freaking. Uh, uh, I'm going to stick with the Kansas City Chiefs. I think that Chiefs team's playing great. I do. I think they're playing great. Both both teams are, and and one team. Both teams are scary. There's one team that Vegas is telling us." is scarier, and it's Buffalo. They're at Arrowhead, and it's basically a pick em. Think about that. It's playoff time at Arrowhead, and this game is a pick em. Vegas is telling you they, they're favoring Buffalo. I know, and that is the most dangerous thing. <laughs> I've always said Vegas should pick the NCAA tournament and then the NCAA matchups. Like, Vegas is the only – I don't know, maybe in sports, is Vegas the only truly unbiased component of sports when you look at fans and you look at coaches and you look at players and you look at media? Vegas is just unbiased, man. They just look at it, tell you what they see is going to happen. Right now, Kansas City, I've got uh, on this DraftKings two-and-a-half-point favorite in this game, which means they're, what, a three-point difference. I'll tell you this. I like Kansas City – I just remember in the back of my mind what Buffalo looked like quitting against the Colts a few weeks ago. That just sticks with me just a little bit. Dan, you mentioned the NCAA tournament. I want to ask you a college basketball question. There was some debate about Auburn versus Gonzaga, who should be the number one team in the AP poll. Would have been Auburn's first ever time reaching number one. Bruce Pearl got Tennessee to number one in the AP poll. Rick Barnes has done it also. Um, I asked this question to you because I think the answer – is different based on who you ask and what part of the country you're in. Do you like and respect Bruce Pearl as a basketball coach? Because yeah, the yeah, history the history Pearl. is different in different parts of the country. I'm fully aware yeah. of this. Yeah, look, I, I'm in Indiana with Bob Knight. And we're the most sanctimonious people you know. We're high and mighty. You know, everybody else is cheating. If a, if a recruit didn't come to Indiana, I told Coach Knight, well, you know, they're doing stuff. And he would go, yeah, okay, they're doing stuff. I've known Bruce for a long time. I like Bruce. Bruce has made his own messes uh, with some stupid stuff. But you know what? Uh, having said that, he's a hell of a basketball coach. I think that Auburn is the number one team in the country. I've seen Gonzaga. I get Gonzaga. But I don't believe Gonzaga is better than Auburn. I think if you played them on a neutral court right now, I think Auburn wins the game. Now, Does Gonzaga have more talent? I guess. You know, one of the things that basketball writers love to do, and I don't know if football does or not, 
but they like to act like they're smarter than each other. Well, you know, Gonzaga has this and the bull. Let me tell you something. Nobody plays faster. Nobody plays better. Nobody plays harder. And I'm not sure there's a lot more talented teams out there than Auburn. But I like Bruce Pearl. I've always liked Bruce Pearl. Uh, he was at Southern Indiana for a long time when he had a spat back. He got in trouble back at Iowa when he turned in Illinois for cheating in his Deion Thomas deal. Yep. This goes way back. And the fact of the matter was Bruce wasn't wrong. But Bruce, because he's the whistleblower, the initial whistleblower, everybody in the Big Ten disliked him. So Bruce got blackballed from Division One. so he went to Southern Indiana and won titles there. He's a great basketball coach. I really like his son, Steven. I think he'll be a terrific head coach fairly soon. But I, I like Bruce Pearl. I, I like him a lot. He's fun to be around. He's fun to talk to. Uh, and I've been in his practices. I've been in his um, – film session and he's a terrific basketball player. does he have a national championship by now if that mess doesn't happen in tennessee and the ncaa great, doesn't knock him out if he just continues great, on all these years i tell you this with the teams that he had and and the the tennessee thing was over uh aaron craft if yep. you would have added he was the only guy smart enough i tried to recruit aaron craft i think when i was at bowling green he was a young kid he was a football player but bruce got him and i gotta tell you bruce um He's the only guy in Ohio that understood how good Aaron Kraft was. And if you put Aaron Kraft on those teams that he had at Tennessee, I would say he would have won a national championship then. I would. Dan, how is LSU an underdog against Alabama when LSU is ranked and Alabama is not? Road game. Well, uh, yeah, that's a big part of it. Uh, I think Alabama... Is this a trap? is a little bit overstated. Like, if Alabama's a, a favorite over LSU, then Auburn is definitely the number one team in the country because I thought Auburn looked so much better uh, than Alabama. Um, I, don't think, I don't think people think that LSU has played really well. They beat Kentucky. Kentucky had the ball, and I don't know what the hell they were doing. In fact, I was texting with Calipari after. Like, I love your team, but what are we doing? You know, they threw the ball around. LSU ends up winning. I think a lot of people uh, believe in the talent level at Alabama, and I'm not so sure after watching them play against Auburn that they're that good. Now, I do say this, Nate Oates at home, man, it's a great-looking crowd. It's an enthusiastic crowd, so that's going to play a part. But uh, we'll see. I, 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 I'm not buying either team totally. So, guess I'll take the home team in that. But I think it's because of the home game. Dan Dockich, uh, he's always part of the home team here on Outkick and the Outkick Network. Don't at me with Dan Dockich mornings at 9 to 11 Eastern, 8 to 10 Central Time each morning. Uh, you stole Dylan uh, Taylor away from us, by the way, our, our production assistant. He's now hey, he a part of Fox. Raised, he, uh, I, didn't, he I didn't approve of this. We, we trained him. You're welcome. He's excellent. Yeah. I'm taking him. He moves on to better jobs. Man. <laughs> Stephanie was working for me. She's doing Rex Chapman's deal. Hey, I do got to ask a question because I am, I am writing books. Koharski, did you ever write a book? I'll read it. I have not written a book. Are you I, out of books? Are you I, asking Paul if he wrote one? Yeah. There well, are, the there are more books than you think, Dan. David novel. There are more uh, books than you think. You can, you can try a, a library or if you're in good financial standing <laughs> – they still have these things called bookstores. You don't have to just, just ask your friends if they've written books. 
I just went to Barnes and Noble, the only Barnes and Noble alive. I just went and got a Baldacci novel. Congratulations. David Baldacci and John Grisham. You know, most people go through this in like the third grade. Not in January. This is annual. Hey, let me tell you, let me tell you Bob Knight's quote, right? About sports writing. <laughs> yeah, most yeah. Of us to read and write in the second grade and we move on to other things. Yeah, I feel that way about uh, college football. You, you go to college, you watch the football, then you grow up and you follow the NFL. Unbelievable. <laughs> you know, it's really interesting. Every, hey, Dan. You guys it, have a minute? Yeah, one minute. When I, talk to, when I talk to broadcasters that broadcast the NBA, they call college basketball AAA. Because <laughs> why are you doing AAA games? Why don't you come up here and do uh, the real game? I like what? what? Get in the major leagues. So I get what you're saying, but it's going to be a good night at college hoops. Uh, go Kansas City. And I'm also taking a, a bet tonight. Look up this guy, Volchek, and take under 32 and a half games in the Australian Open. Volchek. Well, we're doing it right Volchek, now. Volchek, okay. under. All right. Hey, it, work on that background for next time. We don't run this riffraff stuff that you're doing. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. Happy January. Volchek. See you guys. Happy Dan January. Dockich, the man. Follow him on Twitter at Dan Dockich. And again, catch him each morning across the Outkick Network. We are back with Outkick 360. Volchek. For the casual NFL fan this weekend with no dog in the fight, who is the fan favorite? Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick network. Not like, you know, what you're putting your money behind on FanDuel or because no, normally there you're voting with your head, right? Not your heart. Where is the heart of the NFL fan base right now? It's in Nashville and it's not with the Titans. I agree. It is Cincinnati and it is a no doubt. They are the darling of the NFL. They are the lovable losers the underdog story, they are the Cleveland Browns when they broke into the playoffs. They are the team that everyone is rooting for right now. I don't even think there's a clear second place. I'll Maybe give you the second place San team. Francisco? It's Buffalo if they win this weekend. Yeah. Because if the Titans win uh, and Cincinnati's out, it will then go fall on Buffalo and everyone rooting for Buffalo to win a Super Bowl. Yeah, but this weekend. This weekend, I don't, it's I don't think there's a... Yeah, it's Cincinnati. And after Cincinnati, I, I don't know in the other three games if there's... A unified rooting interest. I think Bills Chiefs is probably split. I think plenty of people want to see Brady keep winning, but there's some that tire of him for whatever reason. I think a lot of people like to see the Packers because they want to see that team finish, but a lot of people are are split there too and would like to to see them upset. I, I think that the, that the vast majority of America is rooting for the Cincinnati Bengals to beat the Tennessee Titans here. I, See, think, I find that interesting because, and I agree, I don't think half of America knew crap about the Cincinnati Bengals in Week 12. Nope, and that's why they they like them now. Well, Because they didn't come hot, into the season thinking about them. Hot at the end is fun, uh, and, and a sterling quarterback is fun. Well, and they've got the and seeing a coach take a game ball pieces. to a bar after ending a 31-year streak of not winning a playoff game is fun. Yes, and then you've got the the rest of the league looking around, either wanting the new young coach, or you know that top quarterback, or whatever it might be. You're looking at like if you're Jacksonville and you're you you have Trevor Lawrence, now you're looking for your coach. 
and you're thinking, okay, who's the coach that's going to put put the pieces together to be Cincinnati? That's the that's the rooting interest there. Is I, I think how do we become yeah. that? And on the one hand, you're banging your head against your desk that you you haven't done that or you can't do that or it looks hard. On the other hand, you're saying we're not that far away. I mean, they were they looked miles away from this. They drafted the quarterback. They found the coach, and here they are. Well, we've got the quarterback. We still believe that. We find the coach. In two years, we can be there. But, I mean, a lot easier said than done when you keep screwing up the coaching hire. But America will never root for Jacksonville. No. (laughs) It's just not going to (laughs) happen. There is something about North Florida, the entire region. I've said it many times. I'll say it again. America will never gravitate towards Jacksonville, Florida. There's something about them that just won't be lovable. Never. Coming up, we'll dive more into the matchup that will kick off the NFL weekend. Titans hosting the Cincinnati Bengals. We'll look around to some other games as well and uh, discuss the quarterback that no one is discussing as the playoffs go into the divisional weekend. That's all coming up on Outkick 360.